The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Oh, and real pilots fly Cessnas. Tell me that you hear me, Jeb. I hear you, Jeb. Okay. All right. Fly me to the moon and let me swing upon the stars. So, have you seen this video? This uh, this video of I, the. I, let me mute it. I'll, I'll go ahead and. Yeah. Pull. Oh, it's 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 really fun to watch and, and and catch the reaction of the controllers at Oakland Airport. I, I know. <laughs> so, is this Oakland Airport like in Oakland, California? That's what I'm trying to figure out here. I I don't really know of another Oakland. I don't know uh, too many other Oaklands either. So this with, is, with with towered airports, at least. This is video shot from the control tower cab, and uh, and the controllers are. You just hear them talking in the background, and all of a sudden they say, "Watch this!" All right, and one of the Red Bull Air Race aircraft uses basically uses the tower as a pylon, and does an, an astoundingly close pass to the uh, several. Yeah, several. But well, here's, uh, here's here's a question. I, I mean, I they obviously got his in number. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, did he have a waiver to do any of this? I, I don't know, you know. But the and, and I'm I'm watching this going. Why are the, these controllers letting them get away with this? This is just first of all. This no, is are you kidding? Are you kidding? This was with their cooperation. This was with their. Uh, Otherwise, why would the video camera be there? Right. Uh, this was with their. Uh, yeah, there's nobody else in the pattern, Maverick. Uh, go ahead. We won't spill our coffee. <laughs> yeah, except, yeah. I, I mean, it's amazing how close. Jeb, you get to the point yet where you've seen this? Yeah. These passes. I'm looking at it. Looking at it. Uh, uh, I tried, got the audio off. I'm about halfway through it. Because he did uh, three or four, Dave. I didn't get to the very end of it, but it was like three or four passes, and. Uh, yeah, about four four passes, uh, and. Some of them really get the, the 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 folks in the tower cab a hooting and hollering. Yeah, they're they're having a good old time. Although it's also interesting if you listen closely, you you can hear a couple of controllers are still trying to do their job, making these very routine you know uh, calls to aircraft you know to do this or that. And, right. Uh, in, in in between the holy cow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Southwest seven three four five cleared uh, to uh, the Wandy intersection. Descend, maintain three thousand, and yeah. they get the read back or whatever it is. You know, they they're definitely working traffic with their best. I am a tower cab controller voice on. Yeah. In the meantime, the Red Bull guy in between mic keys is making him go booah. Yeah, yeah, they're well, they're pretty excited a, by the whole thing. Yeah, obviously there was a race in the in the Bay Area. I, I wasn't aware that that race was here, but then oh, this apparently is from two thousand five six. Five or six. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, maybe that makes a little more sense. Maybe it was here back then. I don't recall. Obviously, I wasn't out here. But um, uh, yeah, it was out there. Uh, I, I don't remember if it coincided with Fleet Week or anything like that, but uh, uh, you know the, the Red Bull races are essentially all waterfront events, right? No matter where right. in, in the world they hold them. Uh, Have you ever uh, actually attended one of these things? Yeah, no, I haven't. Vicariously only. Yeah, the, from the videos I've seen, it really seems pretty remarkable. They they do some pretty dramatic flying. 
Well, one of the one of the uh, one of the odd duck high def cable channels that we get in our package actually carries the Red Bull races as as a show. Really, like they, you know, like they would a NASCAR event or an IndyCar event or something like that. Usually about an hour program, and of course it's edited down, and it's usually from the, the race about two weeks prior. And hmm. I've caught it a couple of times. Uh, I think the last one I caught was in Rotterdam or someplace like that, uh, where they were flying, looked like a, a bay and a port in the background, but they were actually flying up a very wide river. Right. And uh, over on the sidelines were the, uh, the, the sponsor tents, the team tents, where everybody's watching and keeping tabs and doing the timing. And then... Uh, you know, they would stage out of uh, a nearby airport and uh, come out two at a time, but they don't race two at a time. They race solo down the course. And right. And the course is marked with these pylons that are sort of cloth inflated by air, right? Correct. Oh, they're inflatable. They float out in the water. And now, how, it's how, a 3D course. How dangerous would it be to actually hit one of these pylons? I think oh, you do don't it all want the time. It, they, you they, don't they, want to do it, but... Uh, I don't know that to do it all the time, but um, apparently it's a total dis- total disqualification. There's another yeah. piece of video on the net someplace of uh, Mike Goulian, I believe it is, um, running the course and clipping one of the pylons, and he completely took out the pylon. I mean, it just it just basically exploded when he hit it. And, yeah, it's uh, it's very fragile cloth, uh, very lightweight, and uh, uh, uses a lot of uh, airflow, mm-hmm. like you said, to keep them uh, to keep them rigid. And uh, uh, works kind of like other uh, mechanicals that uh, we've right. seen over time. Uh, you know, you force a fluid into it and it stands up. Yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> all right, David. That's, that's <laughs> enough. <laughs> I've seen I've seen clips where they just nicked it with the wing. Yep. And it immediately deflates. That's, that uh, sounds like clips the one where they actually hit it with the prop blade. Really. And uh, boy, it really. It really scatters, tatters, and shatters. Oh, really? Okay. I was uh, worried what would happen if it actually got tangled in the prop somehow. I, I don't think there's enough substance there to do anything when you're working against, you know, a uh, 85-pound uh, rotating mass powered by 400 horsepower. Right, right, yeah. But so even if hitting the pylons is okay, they get really close to the ground. It, it's pretty... They get ex- really close to the water. They get really close to the pylons. Uh, some of them they go through in a knife edge. Uh, they're that tight. Uh, then, you know, depending on the course, there's a vertical pull-up uh, and a gate beyond which they're not allowed to pass. Mm-hmm. They have to do a vertical pull-up. They pull up and over and then basically do an Immelman where they roll out bellied back to the ground as they come down again and go back through the course the opposite direction. Uh, it's really kind of fun to watch, and the the I was surprised at how good the uh, the uh, television coverage of was it, but they're shooting a lot of it from uh, from elevated platforms right. and from yeah. a helicopter that uh, apparently or another aircraft of some kind that flies alongside them for some of the course. Hmm. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to and see they it. Get enormous crowds at some of these locales. Yeah. yeah. Steve Tupper tried to convince me. Apparently, one of them was in De- in Detroit this year, and he tried to get me to come out. I should have taken him up on it, but uh, I didn't. Oh, the Detroit River would be a great place for me. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, well, 
Welcome, folks, to episode number 98 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. We're recording this episode on, uh, it's Sunday morning, this is an unusual time for us, Sunday morning, September 7th, 2008, and uh, let me say hi to the folks joining me here in the hangar, that's Dave Higdon, Dave's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, Dave, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. We're finally into that time of the year when, um, more often than not, uh, density altitude is actually lower than field elevation. Really? Uh-huh. How is that? It's a big yeah, how does that work? Well, all it's got to do is start uh, uh, start where the nights get well below standard temperature, and uh, the humidity well, you're is higher. At three a.m. Yeah, I can understand that, but well, I would but guess it's even still during the day, we've had a, we've had a couple of days where it didn't break uh, where it didn't break fifty seven, which really? would be about standard temperature for our field elevation. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. And also here in the hangar is Jeb Burnside talking to us from uh, sunny Sarasota, Florida. How you doing, Jeb? Oh, just uh, trying to ingest as much coffee as I can. Yeah, I know. It's sorry. It's early in the morning. Mostly yeah, my, mostly my fault. fault. All my fault. Whatever. Uh, I got IVs going into both arms. Yeah. So how's hurricane season doing down there? You got? <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know the great thing is uh, I get lots of flying time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you run away again? No, I haven't done anything yet. Um, kind of watching the models and the projections. What's and the? I, I haven't looked I, recently. This Ike one looks kind of scary. What? But what's Ike it? looks kind of scary. It's Cat Four right now. Um, it's headed for Cuba. Um, I don't know tonight. So it's uh, sort of following uh, a, a a Gustav cor- course. It's, yeah, it's 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 more westerly than uh, than northwesterly or anything like that. Uh, okay. What um, the projections show right now, you know, knock wood. Uh, is continuing westerly until it clears Cuba and the Florida Peninsula, uh, and then kind of angling um, northwest. Um, one of the um, plots, and, and uh, I, I, I've been using the Weather Underground site for a lot of this because their graphics are a little bit more interesting, but um, one of the plots for you know the five-day uh, course projection they have a, a basically a circular error of or circular uh, area of probability mm-hmm. of where yeah. it'll be and and i think for like you know wednesday morning or thursday morning or something like that it just barely touches my hanger um the the circle of probability so i, I i'm i'm going to continue to monitor it um I'm headed out to the airplane this afternoon, um, and do some stuff, and, and actually aviate for a little while. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it, it, you know, on a, on a moment's notice, I'm going to bug out if I need to. If it, if it changes course and right. moves, starts to move more to the north, or or uh, so the the false alarm, the, the, the false alarm of uh, whatever it was, Faye or something like that, Faye. Um, hasn't hasn't made you kind of less hasn't no. desensitized you. This you're no, still ready to run at the moment notice. Yeah, you know, I notice. wouldn't say run, but uh, well, of course not. Uh, but of course not. But that's how we're going to describe bug, it. So bug out is is I would be be the more appropriate term. But yeah, I mean, Faye was a great dry run, actually. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, I figured out that it's basically an eight-hour evolution to fly the airplane up to where I would take it and get the car and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much door to door. So. Um, yeah, I can you know, I can do that pretty much any time I need to, uh, middle of the night, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really just kind of a watch, wait and see, um, kind of thing. I'm 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 optimistic, and, and yesterday, the day before, I wasn't all that optimistic. But uh, 
Um, today, I'm kind of optimistic that this is not going to be an issue this time, but it's still, you know, I'm kind of sleeping with one eye open. So I, right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but as I say, it's a, it's a, you know, great opportunity to go fly. Yeah. Um, and uh, coming back, when did I come back? Uh, last weekend, brought the airplane back, and uh, um, you know, great little flighters. Thunderstorms booming all over the place, and um, you know. Uh, a lot of people deviating and this, that, and the other. I went VFR and um, got a little wet, but, um, you know, stayed out of the clouds and, and uh, uh, zoomed right on in. At Tampa, uh, I'm, I'm fairly impressed with the Tampa Tracon. They, they seem to know what they're doing. They'll give Bravo clearances without even asking, and um, it's, it's, there's no problems here. So yeah. uh, easy, to, easy to deal with. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. And, and you are, uh, and I am. Uh, I, thank you. Appreciate that. I've actually gotten good at it now. But uh, I'm Jack Hodgson, and uh, and I'm the problem. Tr- I'm the uh, the troublemaker this morning. I'm actually talking to you this morning from uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains near Santa Cruz, California. I'm uh, out here on business. It's convenient that they put the mountains near the city. Yeah, right. And uh, I, I'm actually I'm actually visiting. I'm I'm a guest in the home of uh, our friend pilot Will. Uh, Will Hawkins, and uh, so I'm, I'm sitting in his kitchen. It's uh, it's six thirty. It's almost seven o'clock in the morning now, but it's very early in the morning on uh, on Sunday morning. So that I because you know accommodate you guys, and uh, you're gonna have to leave a big tip. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Really? Tell me about it. So uh, yeah, I'm visiting him, uh, him and and uh, and uh, Mrs. Pilot Will. Uh, they fed me an awesome dinner last night. Uh, it turns out Mrs. Pilot Will is a uh, gourmet chef. And uh, and uh, they cooked up some great stuff last night, and uh, so and then uh, Will and I are going out uh, in uh, after we finish this, we're headed out to the airport to to go flying uh, in his Arrow, and we're gonna excellent. We're, we're gonna fly up cool. to uh, San Carlos, California, and meet Jason Miller, and then we're gonna fly over to the coast and have lunch out at Half Moon Bay. So uh, it's gonna be a fun airplane day here. Today. Yeah, y'all be y'all be careful. You know, if if something happened, uh, um, the pod, the aviation podcasting world would never be the same. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All in one one location. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Now we'll be careful. There's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of aviation expertise on board this airplane. And then there's that's, me, and then there's that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm worried about. Yeah, that makes it really scary. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on first? I don't know. Third base, third in command, second in command, first in the command. Second, the second most command. dangerous thing in general aviation is two pilots trying to fly the same airplane at the same time. The first most dangerous thing is a private pilot with a number two Phillips screwdriver, but that's another issue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm out here. I'm uh, I'm sitting at, at Will's kitchen table, and uh, um, I'm actually having troubles with my. You're going to give me more grief. You did this off the air before we started. My my laptop is kind of giving me a hard time here. So 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 Will has loaned me his laptop. And, hey, you know I'd give you a hard time if you woke me up this early too. Yeah, and. Uh, so I'm on his laptop. We had to install some software, and then I'm using a, a different kind of microphone. So I don't know if I sound any different than I usually do. But uh. yeah, I can assure you that if I was the one who had to get up and be um, in semi-intelligent at 6:30 in the morning, we would probably miss an episode. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind. Oh man, there's a straight line in there. I'm so gonna let pass by. Well, you probably should if there's um, if you. Yeah, I'm not gonna go there. Okay. So what's what's going on out there in the world? I tried to put together our normal story list here, but because my laptop was acting up, I didn't complete it here. I don't know which one of these things we might want to talk about first. Uh, 
Uh, uh, I don't know. Take them in order, or um, yeah. Uh, I was talking you know. to a uh, an old an old friend of mine, uh, a woman that I used to do theater with out here in the Bay Area uh, many many years ago, and she and her family now live in uh, in Salina, Kansas. Uh, and you know, is it Salina, Dave? Is it Salina? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's Salina, it. Kansas. Um, and she works for. Uh, um, what does she work? She works. She's like the marketing PR person for this animal Rolling Hills Wildlife Preserve oh, or something Rolling like Hills that. Rolling Hills Wildlife Adventure, sure. Yeah, and uh, and I was exchanging email with her recently, and she said, "Check out our new airplane." Apparently, they bought one of the uh, Red Baron Stearman, and uh, and they ha- the 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 lady and her husband. No, the wildlife they, the preserve. Wildlife adventure. The wildlife preserve. Um, and I, I've been looking at the website and have haven't found anything with wings that wasn't a bird yeah i don't think i get the feeling it's still a new thing but she told me that because uh, i was going to get back to her i never got a chance to get back to her and ask her for details so that we could talk about it here but she made she sent me an uh, email separately with a picture and she says look what we bought it's going to be cool and i guess they're going to paint it up with their own uh, colors and fly it around the area to you know whatever so, I mean, it's kind of nice that it's being used. It's kind of sad that they, that this confirms that they are breaking up the team, which we had hoped yeah. they weren't doing. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I got nothing here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I don't have anything either. I, I uh, more power to them, and uh, you know, congratulations uh, on the new chairman. Yeah. Hats, hats off to you know preserving that that piece of aviation history. I, I certainly would hope that they you know keep it up and keep flying it and. And uh, just you know, be careful. Yeah, from her email, it sounds like some one of the key figures in this operation is an aviation person, and so they jumped at the chance of making this one of their. Yeah, I would. I would hope that they are if they just bought a uh, a tricked out steerman. Yeah. Uh, Let's see now another story. I again, this is not in any particular order. Um, I'm sad to to see that the Kit Planes blog has uh, decided yeah. to shutter. Uh, and uh, close its doors or whatever metaphor you want. Um, I was really enjoying that blog. Dave, you had made some contributions to it. Amy was making a lot of contributions to it. And uh, apparently they decided that it, uh, that it was taking up a little bit more of their energy than they, they, than they had planned and they wanted to focus on the print yeah. magazine or something like that. They, they didn't talk to me about it, so all I can tell you uh, for sure is from the message that they posted and I think I sent you a copy of it yeah uh, they shut it down around August 20 uh, with a, a message to the uh, participants that uh, it uh, hadn't hadn't generated the kind of uh, of exchange and 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 reader participation I think that they were hoping for yeah uh, and it had taken up uh, a little more time which is you know, one of the one of the one of the second edges of the knife, if you will, when uh, when you try to promote a, a, a blog site with active participants from your uh, from your uh, community, and if you want to monitor what's going to go up before you allow it to go up, somebody's got to really pay attention and you know be onto that and reading it on a on a pretty regular basis i'd, I'd say uh, no less than daily uh if you really want this to to seem current and contemporary oh yeah i mean that's and, that's and the rule live. of thumb for blogs in general is that there's got to be daily content or they're not really going to take off and the, you know the other side is if you don't monitor it and control what gets up 
then you run the risk of uh, what we've seen in so many other topic areas where you just have these, uh, you know, what seems like uh, uh, Internet shouting wars uh, between extreme positions. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and I don't care what topic you're talking about. I've, I've, you know, lurked in a number of blogs, different topics, you know, everything from aviation to zoology, photography, uh, politics, uh, the environment. Uh, uh, boy, they. People really get wrapped up around the wheel of their feelings. Yeah. I mean, I I respect the fact that they decided that they didn't have the resources to, you know, do it as well as they wanted to. I wish they hadn't, though, uh, hidden away all the past posts. You know, there was a lot of good stuff there, not the least of which a lot of posts about Amy and building their RV. That's right. You know, and I wish all that back stuff was still available for people to read and take advantage of, you know. but uh, Yeah, I I don't disagree with you there, uh, and I I have no explanation for that, Uh, uh, yeah, there, I, I would urge really them. something in the uh, wasn't really something in the closing out text that uh, that that uh, covered that. Yeah, uh, I would urge them if anybody from Kit Plains is listening, other than Dave, um, that to to consider putting it back online because there's a lot of good stuff there, and uh, you know, be nice. Yeah, to, even if you don't bring in new posts, even if you don't, you know, put a final post in there explaining. I think people will understand, but they'll still benefit from the old stuff. So, anyways, yeah. What else? I don't know. Next thing on the list. Let's see. What's the story about the uh, the VORs going away? Is this real? They've been talking about this forever. Well, they kind of have. And, and um, if, you, if you look at the AOPA story, um, quote, the FAA has confirmed to, FAA, to AOPA that the agency is making plans to reduce the network of VORs across the country beginning in 2010. Uh in it, putting aside the cart before the horse aspects of this. Oh, thank you for that. Okay, um, this a lot of this is is typical FAA, um, and, and it's and it's kind of budget driven. It's kind of pub, uh, um, uh, politics driven, in that okay, yeah, the the VORs cost X amount to to maintain and operate each year. Um, if the FAA can save that amount. Uh, each year, they can do other things with that money. Um, so they throw out a proposal to, in this case, reduce the number of, of VORs and save money. And then there's a great hue and cry across the land telling them not to do that for safety's sake and, and for efficiency's sake, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And the FAA then says, oh, well, sure, okay, we can do that, but uh, then we need more money, or then we need to cut somewhere else, or um, you know, some variation on that theme, knowing full well before they even float this trial balloon that that's going to be the reaction and that the outcome is going to be uh, that they will either have to get more money or cut somewhere else. It's it's um, a little bit too clever by half, and that's kind of what I think is going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it's disturbing. It's disturbing on so many levels to see Yet another example of we're going to take away on the promise that someday right. everything will be back up to this level, and you just got to trust us it's going to happen, and you're going to happen. Now, yeah. one of the issues here is that to uh, to qualify, and, and you, you're running slash golf, so you, could, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but to qualify to go IFR, on GPS alone without a backup, 
mm-hmm. without an alternative. Wash is required. That's what this that's what this says, and I believe that to be the case. I believe that's I believe that's the yeah. case. Yeah. Uh, if you do not have uh, a VOR backup system, then technically, you know, you might have an IFR GPS in the panel. It might be IFR approved, but technically, right. you're not supposed to be filing slash golf without a backup. WAS is the standalone that you know obviates that need for a backup. Uh, the problem is WAS is new enough. A, that a lot of people haven't adapted it yet. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got it in, available in a lot of handhelds. Well, thousands of people out there with handhelds, but they don't yet have WAS in their panels. Right. On, on and this, blurb, this blurb, of course, says the current state of equipage in the GA fleet, we're talking about WAS, is about 15%. I think that's kind of high. I do too. Actually, I'd be, actually I'd be, I, it might be. Close I think that's going to be counting a lot of handhelds. <laughs> well, I, I think it probably does. I mean, my my uh, 396 has WASP, but obviously it's not uh, uh, certified for uh, sole nav- uh, uh, sole nav- or any navigation for that matter. It's advisory only. Right. Uh, you know, I got a 530 in the panel, and it's never missed a lick. Um, the, and you don't uh, have the WAS upgrade for that. Yet. I don't have the WAS upgrade, um, and I'm kind of holding off uh, uh, getting it. But you know, while we're on the topic of WAS, um, that's a relatively new technology, and uh, I would I would venture to guess that while it's certainly reliable, that uh, there's probably some things about its performance and behavior that we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm um, a little less concerned with that because it had such a long it had such a long run-up and such a long prototype that it was it was in operation and test phase for such a long time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it is just a, a higher iteration, in essence, of uh, GPS. What concerns me more is the uh, the the attitude that we, we, you guys are going to get there, so we're going to start dismantling the existing right. system now. It's like the contractor telling you, uh, you know, you're going to love the new house. And you'll be able to move in soon. But first, I got to tear down the one you're living in. <laughs> right. But don't move yet. Don't move. Go ahead and buy the wide screen because the wide screen won't fit in the door of the new place. So you're going to want to put it in before we build the new one. That's right. Uh, the level of WAS approach capability that makes this suitable, makes WAS usable at a lot of airports where now the option may be is like my old home field, Augusta, Kansas, dependent on a VOR 27 miles away. Uh-huh. Uh, can you give us like, can, can one of you give us like three sentences on what WAS is? Wide Area Augmentation System yeah. is an enhancement to the GPS uh, uh, system that brings accuracy down to a level that supports what they call LPV approaches, lateral performance with vertical guidance, and it is, in essence, ILS-level uh, accurate. I see. Okay. Hmm. Well, you know, in, while we're talking about eliminating VORs and how no one's going to be using them in the future, um, there are still NDBs out there in operation um, for whatever reasons. And, you know, I, I, had, I yanked out my ADF, um, you know, maybe 10 years ago when I did uh, an avionics upgrade. Um, and I'm just sitting here scanning. I'm just poking along at the uh, AirNav, <clears throat> excuse me, the AirNav.com site. 
um, there are still several, I won't say several, there's um, probably hundreds of NDBs still in operation throughout the U.S. Um, I, I just punched in one frequency just for, for grins. I can't, I can't just bring up a list of all NDBs right this particular second. Punched up one particular frequency, and, and uh, there's like 10 NDBs that come up on that one frequency scattered around the country. Well, and that um, list is a lot shorter than it was five years oh, ago. Oh, it's a lot shorter than it was. But I guess my punchline is that people are still using these, these older technologies to navigate. Yeah. And uh, um, we still need these nav aids. There's still no good reason to put this cart before the horse at this stage. Now, you know, 20 years from now, when uh, when everything is WAS or everything is, is um, 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 the successor to GPS and, and WAS, then... We'll have that conversation. You know, the flip side of this, too, <clears throat> um, AOPA is looking at this, of course, from, from GA standpoint. But I think if you peel the onion back a little bit, you would find that there's a lot of commercial operations out there in older airplanes that don't even have a GPS. Um, well, there's a lot of commercial operations out yeah. there that do have GPS, but they're in the same boat that a GA pilot with slash right. golf has. Right. They, they're dependent on the VOR system for a backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a lot of instances, a VOR somewhere is uh, part, of the, uh, part of the procedure that leads you to an ILS or a non-precision approach, which is perfectly replaceable mm-hmm. with uh, an LPV approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and if the FAA was pedaling a little harder, uh, maybe to get those out the door. And here's where we get into this circuitous chase. They're going to say, if we had more money, we could do more LPV approaches per year, more WAS approaches. So let us shut down more of VOR so we can mm-hmm. do more approaches. Which brings me back to my original point. Exactly. You know, uh, and, you know, one of the arguments, one of the points of uh just, just divergence between you and me on uh, on ADSB was, you know, it doesn't do anything for me that the existing hardware can't mm-hmm. do, which right. was correct. Uh, and it's another instance of show us the benefits, you know, demonstrate to us the benefits, show us where this is going to work different. Well, a lot of guys out there like you uh, flying slash golf, a lot of guys like me flying with a VFR GPS putting in the remarks section of an IFR flight plan, mm-hmm. Loran and GPS on board, and ATC will clear me direct virtually the same as if I had slash golf capability. Sure, sure. As long as they can see me on radar. Well, that's all well and good, except this is all dependent on me being able to fall back on the two VOR heads in the airplane. Uh, you want to take those away, fine, but put what replaces it completely in the system first it's approaches and everything uh stars and and sids and 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 approaches and get those up over the halfway point and then start talking to us about taking down the system that supports such a large part of it i think a lot more of us would be on board a lot more of us would be willing to trot out and lay out the extra bucks for a was enhancement Mm -hmm. yeah interesting stuff i was uh I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was, I was going to change the subject. But, uh. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, you know, I just come back to uh, a lot of this is, I think, uh, uh, more strategic uh, planning on the FAA's part um, relative to what it wants to get from Congress than it is an actual 
uh, concerted effort on its part to shut down VORs. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, there's a line in the AOPA story here that mentions barriers include pilot confidence in relying solely on GPS signals and lack of systematic implementation of area navigation. Okay, the area nav part is is in the FAA's lap and, and working with the users, and I know they're trying to do that. And, you, you know, the WAS approaches is, is an example of uh, one element of that. The lack of confidence on pilots' part with GPS is something that I have a little trouble getting my hands around. Yeah. Because compared to the bad weather reliability of Loran in particular mm-hmm. and VORs uh, en route and ILSs in some instances, uh, I've found GPS to be far more robust in the conditions where, oh, please, God, don't fail me, too, yeah. is running around in the back of my mind. Right. And that includes some, some encounters with weather that I would just soon not remember on a mm-hmm. nice day like today, mm-hmm. where the only thing that didn't blink some point in the encounter was my little cheapo color VFR GPS. Mm-hmm. It never yeah. missed a beat. Yeah, I had a situation several years ago. I was in a Skyhawk, <clears throat> and I was trying to get to the south uh, out of Washington. Because of weather and traffic and the altitude I was flying the Skyhawk, they wanted to send me west for a few miles, shall we say. And uh, it was basically right into a fairly moderate rain shower. Um, this particular Skyhawk did not have static wicks, but it did have a North Star M1 uh, Loran. And I'm plodding along, and rough weather because I'm over the, the mountains of, of West Virginia. Um, pretty heavy rain. And um, waiting, pleading with a controller to get a turn to the south so I can get out of this junk. And what was going on is the um, static would build up. It would trip the Loran and um, the VORs uh, yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. And I had no no electronic guidance whatsoever. I'm on solid gauges, no autopilot, drumming along. And, in fact, comms were, were going in and out, too. Uh, so I was kind of, I won't say sweating bullets, but I was, you know, clearly wishing to be somewhere else. Um, <laughs> th- this this yeah. cycle repeated, you know, two or three times uh, before I could finally get, you know, a request in for a turn. The comms were working, and I was... You know, had had vacated whatever airspace I was close to, or near, or in, uh, so I could get the turn. And you know, turned, and ten miles later, I'm I'm out of this this heavy weather, and, and everything settles down, and I'm good to go. But uh, um, I do remember that particular uh, episode. Oh, uh, we, we we put Wex on Air Comanche. Yeah. Uh, because I would be in not in real bad weather, but just in clouds, moisture. Uh-huh. Right. It's not even raining, but I'm collecting moisture as I fly through. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the radio gets scratchy. Uh, controllers having a hard time hearing me. I'm having a hard time hearing the controllers. Uh, for a while, I didn't understand what the hell was going on. Yeah. And the, the thing that brought me out of my chair, in, you know, kind of like that medical epiphany when you finally say it's time to go to the doctor, mm-hmm. the <laughs> thing that brought me out of the chair was uh, an hour into a full-fuel cross-country flight. I looked over, and I was in that kind of weather, 
Yeah. And both of my fuel gauges were down below a quarter of a tank mm-hmm. and, and descending. <laughs> and yeah, very that'll get slowly, your attention. Yeah. Very slowly descending. And, and I am at the top of the freak level because I've only been out for an hour and I started with 60 gallons. Mm-hmm. And it's a left or right tank system. So what in the world is causing me to bleed fuel like an artery gusher? Mm-hmm. Out of both tanks at once, I'm just out of my mind. Trying, I'm calling up Kansas City. I'm getting ready to turn for an airport that's only about 10 miles away. And I'm praying at this rate of fuel loss that I will make it. Mm-hmm. And then the controller asked me to come back. I'm having trouble understanding you. And I hear a great big pop Yep. in the headsets, this yeah. pop. Uh-huh. And I look over, and both the fuel gauges are going back to normal. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And, and your comms suddenly got better, too, didn't it? Com got better right at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one of those flights where I'd put GPS in the random remarks. I'm off the VOR airways. I've got the next one tuned in. But I'm basically flying by the GPS. And uh, so I probably should have noticed whether the VOR needles were swinging to and fro. I, I sure as hell noticed those gas gauges going south. <laughs> what do you do to head that off? Is that what the wicks do? They, the static, static wicks, wicks did, a, did away with it. So these are the actual little little wire-like things that attach what, uh-huh. to the trailing edge? And uh, Is that what exactly. I've seen? 18 yeah. bucks a piece. Yep. We put I think it was 16 on the airplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was the, that was what yeah. was mapped from the manufacturer of the sure. Wicks. Uh-huh. And you attached uh, a couple to your body, you know, and to all of your gear. You know, and... I would have I would have run them off of a, a, an embarrassing part of the anatomy out the uh, out the bottom of the airplane if it right. would have helped. If it would have helped happening again. At that, at that point, it's like you know, who do I have to pay to get these Wicks installed yeah. yesterday? Because I think yeah. you found one of those few, those really really few moments in flight that do subtract from your lifespan. <laughs> uh, you know that, that that that's probably true. That's probably true uh, because uh, you know your you, your your brain starts running through absent the awareness that it's static that's screwing up the electrical system. Your brain starts running through all the mechanical and plumbing scenarios that could possibly lead to two thirty-gallon fuel tanks being draining simultaneously. Yeah. At a, you're not going to get their rate. Uh, Is there any way to? There's no double check. Huh? I mean, like Jeb on your airplane, you have a visual. You can well, see the, ta- the tip tanks, the, anyways, right? That's for the tip tanks. Yeah, um, the the double check is. You know, is the engine still running? I mean, (laughs) um, so let's let's see what happens when they get to zero. Hmm. I could see both filler caps; they weren't Uh leaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had physically checked and put on the caps and closed the lids myself when we fueled up because it was going to be a long leg. You know, it was going to be one of those where if I went according to flight plan, I'm going to get there with about ten gallons out of the sixty I start with. Uh, which is legal and safe, and there were plenty of alternates should I need them. At cruise power, 10 gallons was going to last me an hour and a half. Or I mean, at, at loiter power, 10 gallons going to last me an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes. So I was comfortable with that. But an hour in, to have it below, both tanks below a quarter tank. So the, 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 the filler caps aren't leaking. I can see that clearly, and they haven't leaked, or I would have had little blue streaks by there. Uh, 
changing from left tank to right tank didn't change the rate of descent for the fuel needles so i'm i'm lost there what the hell's going on mm-hmm. and i'm thinking the only thing i can think of is something broke simultaneously on both tank fields you know but the feed lines to the valve or something penetrated both tanks and the bladder simultaneously and i didn't hear any loud bumps i'm just at a bloody loss yeah See, Pop. I, I would have i would have been suspicious of the gauges to begin with but maybe that's my naivete well, I don't yeah know. i mean that's the backup of course is the stopwatch but um, um when they're both trending downward like that and you know you're busy flying the airplane um navigating communicating aviating and you don't have the bandwidth sometimes to really analyze some of this and with the uh, comfort of a Sunday morning sitting in your office easy chair. Yeah. Well, uh, I had no prior experience uh, uh-huh. that that keyed me in to how how uh, powerful the effect of static buildup can be. And, and and you know none of this is in the check. There's not a checklist for static buildup in, no, in the POH. Not. It's not there. There's I don't recall a whole lot in in. Uh, in FAA training materials either. This is just one of those little things you pick up from the School of Hard Knocks. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've talked about this before on the podcast, an episode I had many, many, many years ago um, in, in that same Skyhawk, actually, uh, trying to get back into the Washington, D.C. area in rain. And um, the, the static buildup wasn't the issue, but somehow I think uh, something got wet uh, the airplane had been basically flying through rain for like four hours. Something got wet, <clears throat> and the only thing I could pick up on the uh, uh, trying to shoot an ILS in back into Manassas, the only thing I could pick up on the uh, on either VOR was an FM radio station. Uh, oh, jeez! The, the needles were just fl- just waving at me, and um, <laughs> yeah. uh, on the ILS frequencies, and I needed an ILS to get down. Um, um, I needed I needed an approach to get down. Let's put it that way. And I was just before getting ready to, to use the big E word and, and ask for uh, uh, radar approach into into Andrews Air Force Base. Actually, um, when uh, the controller and I figured out that I could receive a nearby VOR, mm-hmm. and uh, I just happened to be pretty much on top of the initial approach fix for the VOR approach into Manassas, mm-hmm. and it was immediately cleared for it. And broke out, and and um, everything was fine, but um, uh, there was some pucker factor there for a few minutes. Yeah, so you went, you went, you went within seconds. You went from this high intensity kind of, oh my god, what am I going to do next, to mm-hmm. making an approach into your home airport, and boom. Yeah, home. and and the butt the butt cheeks released the seat covers and <laughs> yeah, everything. That's right. Well, that, the world. funny funny thing is that doesn't <laughs> that 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 heightened sense of uh, awareness and elevated adrenaline level. Uh, those things don't go away right away. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a little bleed down time there. Uh, yeah. Uh, for me, you know, getting the fuel gauges back and confirming that I was good to go and telling the controller, no, I don't need to go to this other airport after all. I think I got it figured out. Uh, I didn't completely come off the edge of my seat until about five hours later when I or four hours later when I was firmly on the ground and mm-hmm. topping off for my next leg. And the next leg happened to take me to an aircraft electronics association convention. That was my destination. Where at the very first hospitality suite, the very first drink I bought for somebody was for a guy from the Bendix King division of Honeywell. 
<laughs> and to which I asked the question, what would cause this? My radios went flaky. They're your all's radios. Uh, my Loran went flaky, and my fuel gauges went south. And did it come back? Yeah. What happened before they came back? Well, I got this big-ass pop in the headsets. And he goes, oh, static. You got static wicks? No, you need static wicks. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, I believe. Okay. You got them now. You got them now. Uh, got a month, within the month. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've got them on my airplane. Um, they, they were that way when I bought the airplane. And I have never had this kind of a problem with that airplane. Um, I never had a problem like that again. Yeah. With Air Comanche, yeah. not not yeah. even a hint of it after yeah. that. Good to know. Good to know. Hey, this is an that's all the static we need about that. That's right. This isn't on the list, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention this. So I've been out here in California almost a week now, and uh, one of the first nights that I was here, I made a beeline for my old home airport, which is uh, Palo Alto in field in you know, Palo Alto Muni in Palo Alto, California, and uh, went out. There's a it, I mean. You know, we all love our home airport, whatever it happens to be, whatever that, whatever that airport is for you, you know. But And I surely do love this one. And uh, it, it's a relatively small airport. It only has one runway, uh, sort of northwest, southeast oriented. And uh, you can go, you can get right out almost next to the, literally at the very edge of the, uh, the line that you're not supposed to cross for the taxiway. And there's a bench that you can sit on and uh, watch the airplanes coming and going. And I had my hand held, so I was listening to the tower. And so it was just, and it was this beautiful evening. The sun was getting ready to set, and I could see the East Bay Hills. And just, it's idyllic. It was wonderful. And, uh, and that was cool. But uh, as is often the case, I was sitting there, and somebody else wanders out to watch the airplanes. And it um, turned out uh, this gentleman, uh, we got into a long car. I didn't know him, um, but we got into a long conversation about flying, as pilots will do. And uh, he was, I was asking him, so, so what airplane do you fly? And he suddenly starts to read me this list. He apparently owns all or part of like four different airplanes. And he says, oh, I've, got, wow. I've got this 172 that I'm partners in. And I've got a, uh, I forget, he said, I think, I think it was some sort of uh, auto or a powered glider kind of aircraft. Um, that uh, he owns some of, and, and another one, and then, and then almost as an aside, he drops in at the at the end of the list. He says, he says, oh, and I've got a deposit on on an eclipse. He says, and I go, oh, really? Well, that's kind of interesting. So, boy, there's been a lot of deposits on eclipse. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> we got we got into a conversation about this, you know, and I, you know about his feelings about the eclipse, you know, because he's had opportunity to fly them, as you might imagine, um, and he really loves it. Um, he says it's really fun to fly, and um, it really liked it from that in that regard. And I said, I said, you know, but it m- must be a really difficult decision. To, you've de- I said you've apparently decided to stick it out and, and not get your you know deposit back. And he said, he says, yeah, it is a difficult decision, but I, I'm going to stick with it for now. And uh, you know, he's apparently he he told me, and I don't know how accurate this is. He told me they're currently delivering about number two hundred and something, two hundred and fifty or something like that. Um, and his number yeah, is like sounds about right. His number is like over a thousand, so he's got a ways to go before he gets his. Although he's you know, he's doing the math, you know. He says, okay, that 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 should have been this coming year. Yeah. Well, he said, I believe what he told me was that they're delivering about one a day. Does that make sense? One a not week? Right now they're not. One a week, maybe. maybe. One a week, Eclipses? One a yeah. Um, one, a one a week, maybe. Yeah, they've kind of ratcheted back. I would guess the yeah. one a week is closer to. So he's uh, he's looking yeah. forward to it. Um, he's uh, he told me a couple of interesting things. I, I was asking we were kind of chatting about the whole uh, the whole the, the the restrictions that are on it still. The and uh, 
He told me, and I, maybe you guys knew this already, I hadn't heard this before, he said that they're actually delivering them because they've got this avionics problem, right? That's that's the, 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 the that's, sort of... That's the main... Well, it's it's an avionics um, automation right. problem. And it keeps them... Uh, and that's what's is, keeping them being from what? Certified for what? Night IFR or something like that? Well, they're certified for IFR. I'm sure they're certified for night also. But what what's they're not certified for is uh, anything other than VOR um, navigation. Okay. VOR-based navigation. Anyway, what he told me was that they're delivering all of them with Garmin, what, a 400 series. Yeah. Right, 400, 496 is the, the portables. Right. Not, no, the, no, no, not no. the built-ins, the portable. No, 400s. They're, they're, they, oh, well, they opted, yeah, okay. for, the, they opted yeah, for the 400, right. which is your, which is like the 430 except minus the nav and, and the uh-huh. VHF com. Uh, or VHF Navcom, it's just a GPS, uh, uh, and it's supposed to have the WAS capability. Uh, I don't know that. Uh, wow, I heard a door creak. Yeah, uh, it's Will sneaking around here. He's he's like whispering and gesturing to what's going on. It's not Halloween. Yeah, we can't have noises like that. <laughs> That's right. It's just a hangar, right? There's no noises in a hangar. Yeah. The built the built in. GPS engine that uh, was supposed to be part of the Avio NG system uh, was not approvable for WAS and uh, not going to meet the TSO, so they opted for a pair of the uh, Garmin G400Ws. And I, I understand that they have been integrated into production and they're delivering them, like the guy said. Uh, where they are on on uh, on uh, uh, WAS certification on that in terms to make it usable, I don't remember. Yeah, right. I, I right. don't know. And, Another I, and, and, I st- and I stand corrected. Yes, they are delivering uh, the newer the new eclipses with the um, uh, the 400 series Garmin's in the panel. Some of the earlier airplanes, uh, instead of uh, a GPS capability in the panel, were delivered with a Garmin 496 portable. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing he told me that I thought was interesting, and again, this is just all hearsay, So, but he said that they're having problems with the tires blowing out. Yes. I hadn't heard this before. What, what have you heard? Uh, well, there's, there's two or three things going on here. First of all, the tires are a fairly small diameter, um, and uh, I don't know, they're an odd size also. Uh, secondly, there are radial tires because um, uh, Vern Rayburn insisted that his new high-tech baby would have radials on it, even though um, in this application, a radial tire is probably not the best choice. Um, finally, um, even at uh, idle thrust, um, the um, um, thrust being generated is is fairly substantial uh, for such a light airplane. Yeah. Um, so what you have is a, is a common and the, the airplane does not have thrust reversers. So what you have is a combination of factors um, leading to uh, situations where uh, a, a higher than the normal touchdown, perhaps on a shorter than normal runway, um, over exuberant braking will blow tires. Mm-hmm. And there's I know of at least one um, episode of this written up. Um, um, in the NTSB's files, uh, there have been uh, other episodes um, that the grapevine has has told me about. Um, it's it's just a characteristic of the airplane that 
uh, its tires and its brakes, for that matter, are relatively tender because of their small, relatively small size. Um, Apparently, they're pretty pricey tires, too. I forget. Well, that's, yeah, because they're A, an odd size, and B, a radial. They are pricey. Uh, They're like, uh, early on, I was told a thousand bucks a piece. That's the number that sticks in my head from him talking. Uh, But they they ratcheted that down, and I don't recall who manufactures those tires. Um, Yeah. I I don't even want to throw out a brand name because I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, these are are tires that have got to be... Uh, certified for uh, a, a, you know they sh- should be just as a normal what is a 63 knot arrival speed of a far 23 airplane uh, no, 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 no 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 well for a single uh, a, a far 23 single it's 61 knots 61. calibrated airspeed um, uh, calibrated stall speed in the in the landing configuration but a this is a um, I don't it's a part 23 airplane but it's a multi-engine so that does not apply but it's classified as a single as a center line thrust airplane so I wonder how that affects it uh, anyway uh, you got a fairly fast little airplane the the thing about the high residual thrust at, at idle uh, just really works the brakes a lot. Mm. Uh, you know the uh, the uh, Williams FJ44s that uh, were uh, delivered on the early Citation jets and, and are still used on all the CJ models. Uh, they also had an issue on uh, the early airplanes with high residual thrust. So Cessna designed what they called thrust attenuators, mm-hmm. which deploy across the uh, the, the jet pipe path. Uh, when you're at at idle, until you hmm. push the throttles up, then they go away. Hmm. They're not reversers in the same sense that you know you get buckets uh, that actually give you reverse thrust. These just deflect the thrust so it's not straight to the rear, right. and uh, that may be something that they you know find themselves having to consider at some point. But when you have that kind of high idle thrust. Uh, then you really wind up working the brakes a lot more, uh, you know, on everything from a normal taxi to uh, to turn offs and uh, just holding it on the ramp when you're uh, when you're firing up. Yeah. If it won't just sit there at flight idle, you know, you got to have brakes on somehow. So, plus they've had to lay off some people. Uh, they're working. They've re- the restructured the company into two divisions. One geared toward. Uh, fulfilling the manufacturing side, the other one fulfilling the customer service side. Uh, they're working with their suppliers to get their bills paid and get uh, materials flowing again. Right. Uh, yeah, e- Eclipse has a has a, a world of, of issues right now. Going back to the to the tires and the brakes, though, one one final point, and we can maybe move on, um, because heat is really. The, the one thing that will cause the tires to fail prematurely, uh, other than, you know, of course, flat spotting them or something like that, running over a, a, a penetrating object. Um, heat is really the longer-term common enemy yeah. of, of airplane tires. Um, using brakes to control taxi speed and to, to decelerate at the end of a landing roll um, obviously generates heat. That heat is transmitted, transferred from the brake discs into the wheel and to the tire, and voila, you've you've just really complicated your your problem. Well, I mean, normally so. you'd fill tires like that with uh, pure nitrogen, mm-hmm. uh, 
and you know sometimes I wonder where whether that message gets across equally with this airplane and, and, and in the future some others like it because it's not a big heavy jet like so many places are used to. These are showing up at places that haven't really seen jets before. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they may not have a nitrogen bottle sitting back there to top off the tires. Interesting. Uh, well, let me say just, you know, I mean, regardless, in spite of all these these little issues that the Eclipse folk I, I, have. My, my hat's off to it. Yeah, yeah. my friend, yeah. my new friend from standing on the ramp at Palo Alto is still very, very much looking forward to his Eclipse and can't wait and would just oh, yeah. would love to have it now if he could get it. And, well, uh, it's far enough out in the uh, delivery, uh, in the firing order, that, you know, he's in a much better position to actually get a ready-for-prime-time, out-of-the-box airplane when he gets his. Yeah, but he'd take one of the ones he could get today if he could. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so would I, for that matter, yeah. if I was in line. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that's not likely to happen. So what else we got here? Uh, see, I'm reluctant to move on into this next item on the list, you know, because... We're going to be here all day on the that memory, The memory of last episode's uh, rant-a-thon is just still fresh in my mind. <laughs> And, uh, well, I'm shocked, shocked that you think we rant on certain things. <laughs> yeah, but I, uh, I, I got a rant prepared about that very rant. Okay, no, so let's keep this under kidding. control. But tell me what, what who I'm imagining. Dave posted this uh, something about yeah, TSA's I, uh, new security recommendations, parts one and two. Uh, what's going on, David? Well, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 nice folks at the Transportation Security Administration and their never-ending, will never-end quest to protect us from uh, uh, all sorts of bad people and bad things. Uh, uh, Aside from the current work that's going on there to uh, uh, post a new NPRM regarding security for Part 91 operations, uh, recently released two documents. One, recommended security action items for general aviation aircraft operators. Uh Uh-huh. And the other one recommended security action items for fixed base operators. And they're really not very onerous here. They're pretty much straightforward. Uh, the, the operators wants four whole pages in a PDF. I'm sorry, David. What did you just say? Did you just say something nice about the TSA? Well, I said something. I, I, okay, something maybe that factual. was nice. All right. Okay. Uh, it's not very onerous. I'm sorry. It's how many pages? It's five, uh, four pages for the operators, five pages for the FBOs, uh-huh. and it's basically common sense, straightforward stuff about, uh, yeah, I'll go to it, aircraft security, ensuring that locks, door locks are consistently used to prevent un- unauthorized access or tampering with the aircraft, storing the aircraft in a hangar if available and locking hangar doors, ensuring that aircraft ignition keys are not stored inside the aircraft. Uh, which may be a problem for some folks that share airplanes or have it on a rental ramp. Uh, hangar security, uh, passengers dealing with passengers and visitors and making sure you know who you're dealing with. Uh, reporting suspicious activity, which is pretty much out of the AOPA playbook. Yeah. Uh, and the GA Secure hotline, 1-866-GA-SECURE. We'll have the link on it. Uh, but this is not really, you know, off the wall. Uh, out of left field stuff. It's common sense, straightforward stuff that we've heard and known before, but this is a new iteration of it. Ditto for the one directed at FBOs. I highly encourage anyone that owns, shares, operates uh, a GA airplane to download these puppies, print them out, give them a read, 
keep them handy. You probably won't need to refer to them because you'll look at them and go, oh, I do that already. There's not going to be a quiz. You look at it and go, yeah. uh, maybe I should add that. Uh, you know, and it, it doesn't get into things like, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you should have a secure badge access uh, hardware to get to your hangar uh, for the FBO stuff. But it does talk about controlling access to the ramps and controlling access to yeah. the aircraft and identifying who's out there. Uh, without it, you know, recommending anything uh, off the wall, expensive or untoward. So, yeah, uh, yeah uh, if this qualifies as saying something nice about the TSA, seeing something common sense, workable, and with some applicability to what we do and how we use our airplanes, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, a pat but, on the but, head but, and an attaboy. Who is it? Was Let it, me is, maybe take the opposite tack, but go ahead, Jack. Well, I was just going to say, wasn't also to say something nice about, I believe it's TSA. Isn't it the one of the higher-ups, the head guy at TSA, has been saying some nice things recently about uh, GA's security situation? Yeah, well, that's where I start to worry about what the that's other That's where I start holds. to get really concerned, yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. One is, and Dave alluded to this, this is really just a rehash yeah. of stuff that has been published by TSA before. And in fact, um, a lot of this was hammered out between the industry and TSA uh, back in 02 and 03. Well, 03, particularly when uh, uh, after um, TSA actually got a GA uh, office and, and some people tasked with worrying about general aviation. Um, it's nothing new. It is common sense stuff. Um, why they are republishing or slash repackaging this uh, is anyone's guess. Um, I would guess myself that it has more to do with uh, they needed to do something on GA and and took an easy way out. And it was uh, in the budget. And it was in the budget. You know, and and it doesn't doesn't take a, a, a whole lot of effort to to recast something that's already been uh, in the can for several years and to which the industry has, has on which the industry has signed off. Um, I guess the... Uh, well, they, they admit it right up front. The documents right, uh, and right. the other one largely consist of reorganization and amplification of recommendations made in another document in May of '04. That's all and well that, and good. And, that's, and there's you know, a bunch of stuff that, pre, that was uh, a prequel to that 04 document that um, um, you know, there's somewhere I've, I've got some, some fingerprints on it, but that's, that's okay. Um, what concerns me is that this might be the precursor to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what that something else might be, we've talk, kind of talked about in that uh, TSA has said uh, publicly that there is a, a new body or a new proposal uh, to regulate uh, some portion of GA. Everyone kind of thinks it's uh, um, aircraft, uh, non-commercial aircraft operations of aircraft weighing more than 12,500 pounds. What that will uh, entail and when it will entail it, I don't know. The final point, though, is um, while all of this is really well and good, I mean, it is, it is common sense stuff, um, the uh, the GA hotline at eight six six GA secure. Um, if anyone's called that um, number in the past, I'd be kind of interested to hear uh, from you. I I had occasion to call that number once. I'm 
uh, at the Manassas Airport. It's late in the day. I, it's obviously a weekend, I believe. Um, may not have been. I don't know. Um, but it, as again, it's kind of towards dusk. And um, I notice in, in a parking lot uh, off the, to the side of the main road going uh, on the uh, west side of the airport, uh, a, a van. Uh, um, sitting there uh, it's not a minivan it's a it's a full-size van it's not a new one it's clearly not a government it's clearly not a, a commercial uh, vehicle it has no logos painted on the side of it or anything like that two guys sitting in it and the engine is clearly idling and they're just kind of sitting there uh by themselves not doing anything uh-huh. and uh, i said you know that's odd and it was odd for that airport at that time of day that season whatever it was the whole thing was just kind of odd and um i kind of went around the corner and and stopped the car and whipped out the cell phone and, and called a number and um eventually got connected to a human and i was told uh yeah it's probably nothing you should contact your local law enforcement so in other words a little less than a uh really a little yeah yeah, a little less than helpful, a little less than... Uh, um, um, I wonder what would have ri- risen to the level of getting well, a reaction. Well, I don't know from- either. I don't know either. And, and you know, one thing you got to keep in mind also is that um, this this number rings into um, uh, a, a basically what is a, a TSA or DHS-sponsored call center. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember all of the particulars about this. Um but it's you know it's like a desk in in a center right. that handles a lot of other similar um, uh, pieces of input pieces of data from around the country, um, and uh, I'm sure it's not their highest priority. Hence, they were not even interested in picking up the phone and calling local law enforcement um, uh, to relay this. So I, I, you know, it's it's clearly something that's valuable, and it's clearly something that we should be doing, should have been perhaps doing, uh, well before this went into effect. But um, uh, it's not the end all and be all. Yeah. Let's move on here. Um, so, uh, but I w- also before we leave this. Yeah. So what was the outcome? Did you call nine one one? Did somebody no. come and check out the van? I, I did. I didn't. Um, the. Uh, I was kind of put off by the whole thing mm-hmm. by that point yeah. because I basically just got blown off uh, um, by this, and you know, that's what I'm supposed to be reporting. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, according to all the guidance that I've seen uh, and all the guidance available, not only from the TSA but from others in the industry. So after all uh, their guidance and encouragement, the response was, "Go away, kid! You're bothering us." Kind of, sorta. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put too fine. I wouldn't put too fine a point on that i wouldn't overemphasize that but that was i i got blown off yeah. uh, they, they didn't they didn't lift a finger to follow up on any of that and i take that. it i take it that in the final analysis the this truck did not like explode or, or no the truck didn't explode it didn't drive drive through the fence and and you know onto a, on a, a runway or, or something like that uh it, it obviously was was nothing so see they but, were right you should trust well, the tsa they know Jack, I'm, I'm going to come out there. You're, you're sitting in the kitchen. Go ahead and put something on for lunch because okay. I'll be there. We'll be there. Okay. We'll meet you at Half Moon Bay. Uh, listen, we're starting to run out. We really do have a lot of time. I promised these folks that we'd be clear of their kitchen. They're starting to try and move around for breakfast here. So uh, what do we got here? Uh, 
Anything else on the list here? We've got two off-field landings of the week that have been suggested by listeners, and uh, they're both kind of interesting. They're uh, a pair of uh, aircraft that landed on highways, which we've talked about in the past. I, I personally think a highway is not your best choice, but I suppose if it's your only choice, uh, it's it's what you're going to go with. As the man said in one of them, any port in a storm. That's right. That's right. So congratulations to these two pilots that landed safely, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll definitely put those links in the show notes. I think they're already like in the forums. That's where I think we found yeah. them. But uh, yeah. But uh, good job there. Uh, any other uh, any other news? You got any shout outs or anything before we wrap this thing up? Well, I'd like to uh, give a shout out to all my uh, all my friends here and elsewhere around the country uh, who are members of and so, or supporters of the Commemorative Air Force. Uh, their big air show 2008 is coming up down in Midland, Texas. Uh, I think it starts around the 18th and runs through that following weekend. Uh, I know folks from here that are headed down around the 18th for it, so it's definitely that weekend. Uh, But we hope that they get a great turnout, great weather, uh, some great flying, and showing off all those great old warbirds that the CAF works so hard and so well to uh, uh, keep flying so that we never forget. Yep, yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Jeb, you got anything for us? Um, just, I, I did this last time. I'm going to do it one more time. Uh, the fine folks up at Walker Aviation in Tifton, Georgia, housed my airplane uh, uh, for Fay. And um, um, suffice it to say that um, uh, they didn't uh, uh, charge me a whole lot uh, for the privilege. So uh, uh, always a pleasure to work with them. And uh, <laughs> I love to I love to be hanging around there. I love to see him, but I hope I don't see him really too soon here. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Apparently, that Hannah, that uh, what is it? The Hannah is it Heather Hannah H. The storm that just recently passed through yeah, that area. Hannah Hannah's hitting your neck of the woods. Well, I'm not uh, there though. See, so it's perfect. Well, I, no, but yeah. it, it, you 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 should be hoping that it's gone before your flight leaves. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's going to be. But I, I was, that's that's sort of how I was looking at the news. But uh, all my little weather alerts in my email that uh, are. are Apparently it rained pretty hard there over the day yesterday mm-hmm. and last night, yeah. and there were all sorts of flood watch warnings. And so, yeah. uh, it, it it went blasting up the east coast like a NASCAR guy headed for happy hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it really, it really uh, had. A, there's there's an analogy that I'm I'm going to have to wrestle with the rest of the day. Yeah, but. Uh, um, it's an it's yeah, an analogy that doesn't simply apply to the to the uh, automobile and uh, you know, the race car industry. Data. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. True. Okay. Uh, it was just the uh, one that came to mind. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I want first of all, I want to thank uh, uh, Pilot Will for his hospitality here, uh, and, yeah. Mrs. Uh, and Mrs. And, and Pilot Will, and Mrs. Pilot Will. Yes, and, and, and uh, save us some breakfast. That's okay. I will. I will. I'll uh, I'll report back. And uh, if you want to learn more about Pilot Will and, uh, and Will Hawkins and his podcast, the uh, Pilot Flight Podlog, you should check it out at Pilot will.libson.com and uh, Jeb Burnside of course is an aviation journalist currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine learn more about Jeb and his work at jebburnside.com or aviationsafetymagazine.com or avweb.com Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, a senior editor for Kit Planes Magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine learn more about Dave and his work at kitplanes.com avbuyer.com slash worldaircraftsales or aea.net or just google his name and read all the cool stuff and i am jack hodgson i'm a private pilot a a freelance writer and a new media producer learn more about me at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net and visit us all at the uncontrolledairspace.com website the forums and the wiki and uh, a lot of other fun things that are going on there so uh, david what were you going to say well, first, got some new cheap airplanes up on that page that I've been doing once a month. And second, 
go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. That's right. That's enough talking. Unless you have an electrical issue. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough talking. Let's all go flying. So, say good morning to Will. Will's here. Morning, hey, Will. Good morning. He Thanks for morning. the. Uh, he can't hear you. I'm sorry. He, he can't hear you. <laughs> well, he can't. Why did you ask me to say hello? Well, wait a minute. Here we go. Okay. Now say hello. Hello. Hello, Will. Hey, guys. How's it going? Top of the morning to you. It's going pretty good. Jack and I. Jason. An interloper in your kitchen? Yeah, you're in my um, kitchen. That's a little weird. Thanks for the support here this week. We uh, really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. All right. When, I'm going to plug you back into the headphones. I'm sorry, are you saying something to Will? When, when is breakfast going to be ready? Um, it's cooking right now, as a yeah. matter of fact. It smells awesome. <laughs> All right, I'm putting you back on the headphones so he can't hear. All right, now he can't hear you. All right. So now you can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right.